Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. John was with us down in Southern Pines. As he said, I'm the, the worship pastor at Grace in Southern Pines. And I'm just thankful for Pastor Willie and for Sam and for the rest of the leadership here at Cornerstone to have the opportunity to be here. Um, as John mentioned, this is my wife, Natalie. Uh, we just celebrated 15 years of marriage uh, back in September. She was 10 when we got married, so no, just, just, just kidding, just kidding. And uh, we have three kids, Adeline's 11, uh, Nella's 8, and Asa is 4. And that just means we haven't slept in about 11 years either. But, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, we're, we're delighted to be here and, and love uh, what God's doing with our family, expanding it, and excited to just be here um, at Cornerstone today. As I mentioned, I am a worship pastor, so a lot of times when I think about speaking, I, I think about it in context of worship. And what I'm going to talk to today has uh, some relevance to that, to, uh, to worship, but also just hearing God and seeing him for who he is. So I have a message that I've entitled, You Must See Before We Blank. Or another way of saying that is, Before You Can Blank, You Must See, or We Cannot Blank, whatever the action may be, until we see. And I want to start just in the natural, uh, with our physical eyes. Uh, If you were to wake up one morning and you couldn't see the road, you might not should drive, right? And I don't have anyone here that would, you know, you're running late for work and there's some ice on your windshield. None of you just scrape just a little bit of it off, right? Just to, just to see. No, no one does that, right? No one does that. You always heat the car, make sure it's clear. Okay, okay, okay. But, but also, if you take that another further, for, for sports, if you're, if you're going to play golf and, and you put a ball, where we, we're in Southern Pines, a lot of people play golf. Anyone play, anyone play golf here? No? Okay, good, great. Hey, it's okay. You're, you're here on Sunday, and you're not on the golf course, so that's good. <laughs> no, but if you, if you put the ball down and you can't see the ball, you're going to have a hard time hitting the ball, correct? If you're playing baseball, you can't see the ball, you're going to have a hard time hitting the ball. So I want to take this just a little bit further, though. Uh, in discerning or in our lives, if we can't see things, it's going to be a hard time to do things. If you're in college, you're any college students, if you can't see the benefit of a major, if you can't see you know, what purpose this might be, you're going to have difficulty being able to do do the work, put in the effort to earn that degree. Even in business, if if there's an investment opportunity or there's something like that that you're trying to see the benefit of and you, you can't see it, you may miss that opportunity. So how many times have you not seen clearly in your life? I want to tell a little story to maybe help with my point here this morning. How many of you have ever heard of a man named Ronald Wayne? Anyone ever heard of Ronald Wayne? No, no one's heard of Ronald Wayne. How about Steve Wozniak? Is everyone? Okay, yeah, there's some more hands there. And then how about Steve Jobs? How many of you have heard of Steve Jobs? Most of the room there probably heard of Steve Jobs. So here's, here's a, uh, an interesting story that I want to share to help with my point this morning. So on April 1st, 1976, Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak, And a third man you may have never heard of, Ronald Wayne, founded the Apple Computer Company. The company's ownership was originally divided among the trio with Wozniak and Jobs, each owning 45%, and Wayne owning a 10% stake. But after just 12 days as a founder of Apple, Wayne sold his shares to Wozniak, 
for $800 and had his name removed from the company. Wayne's decision to leave the startup cost him big. We all probably would agree with that, probably. Today, a 10% stake in Apple would be worth more than $95 billion. That kind of fortune would have made, made Wayne one of the richest people in the world. So, what did Ronald Wayne see? It's interesting, when you read a little about his life, he was older than the Steves, I'll call them. And he had a house, and he had some things that were more at risk than the rest of them. And he decided that he was afraid that if something went bad with the company, he, he would be at fault. And he would be the one that would go down. <laughs> so, with that, he uh, was afraid about he in, incurring the debts the company would have. But I wonder, church, today, if... If Ronald Wayne had been able to see from 1976 into 2019, if his decision would have been different. So today, I think you get the picture. My point is that seeing is a prerequisite to taking some other action. The same goes for spiritual matters. As a worship pastor, I often say we cannot sing praises until we see. If you don't see the reason why you would sing praises, then then why would you sing praises? What I mean is that we have to have a revelation of the goodness of God, his power, his justice, his might, his love, before we're able to truly worship him. I think this is true of the entire Christian life, that we can't respond to the gospel, we can't give our lives and surrender until we see who God is. This is called, a lot of times in the church, a a rhythm of revelation and response. And as a worship pastor, uh, it can be, or a worship leader, it can be very uh, tempting to, hey, just respond more, do more, hey, clap more. And that's great, that's good, that's good. But I've, I've found, usually, if we can take people into deeper revelation of who God is, then the response will take care of itself. So the question is, how do we see and how do we get our eyes up truly to see who God is and truly depend on him? So let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, we want to open our eyes to you, God. Not just our physical eyes, but our eyes of our hearts, God, to be able to see who you are and what you're doing. God, that we can truly join in with what you're doing. We can be on mission with you and worship you in spirit and in truth, God. So we, we ask that you use these few moments that I have just to help uh, people uh, have some revelation. And God, also that, um, that there would be something that we could take with us today to see you a little more clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning I'm going to use a very familiar passage of scripture to help us see this very important truth. So let's look at this uh, passage together. I think they're going to have it on the screen and then we'll, then we'll break it down. So if you can turn in your Bibles to the sixth chapter of the book of Isaiah on your phones or click there or open there, turn and all of that. I heard a pastor say one time he liked to hear the rustling of the pages, but we don't we don't hear that as much anymore, do we? So. But good, it'll be on the screen. So I'm going to read this and then we're going to break break it down. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. 
and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, this is Isaiah speaking, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the Lord, the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. It's a pretty familiar passage. You guys familiar with that one there? Okay. So, in case you didn't know, Isaiah 6 comes after Isaiah 5. Who knew? Um, and if you read the first five chapters of Isaiah, it's a pretty bleak picture. Israel has become wicked and corrupt, and they did not take God's commandments very seriously. Chapter 5, in, in particular, is, is pretty bleak. Uh, the people have become faithless, and Isaiah 5, 27 through 30, describe with frightening realism the approach of military forces coming to take over the kingdom. In Isaiah 5.30, it says, They will growl over it on that day like the growling of the sea. And if one looks to the land, behold, darkness and distress, and the light is darkened by its clouds. So that's a pretty bleak, sad end of the chapter of, of Isaiah 5, that its darkness has fallen over the land. So let's look at verse 1 again in chapter 6. The first, few, the first phrase is, they're in the year that King Uzziah died. So we have this bleak picture of Israel. God's people had rejected the light the Lord had offered to them, and they'd go on their own way. And on top of that, as we see in chapter 6, their leader is dead the throne in Israel is empty. So just a little bit, if you don't know much about King Uzziah, I like, I like facts, I like stuff in history. So here's a little bit about that. King Uzziah had reigned over a lengthy time of prosperity for this nation. About 52 years, they think. So if you think back, who was president 52 years? I don't even know. I should look that up probably. But 52 years of lengthy prosperity there have been many military conquests and a secure time during most of his reign. But what happened with King Uzziah is he got prideful. Some of you may know this, but in Second Chronicles 26, he decided that he, being king, could also do what priests would do. He decided that he could burn incense at the altar in the temple. 
And he did that and then was rebuked by the uh, priests. About 80 priests, they said, went in and, and said, no, Uzziah, this is not for you. He had been unfaithful to the Lord. He entered the temple to burn incense. And the priest tried to stop him. But Uzziah, instead of saying, I'm sorry, repenting, he became angry. And God struck him with leprosy there. And he'd had that disease until he died. So as we open chapter 6 again, our leader's dead, our circumstances are difficult, and chaos ensues. So we, we think about many of the questions that people were thinking, and even Isaiah himself was thinking. What are we going to do now? How will we survive? The throne is empty. Uzziah had held things together. He's the one we look to. What will happen? And on top of that, as we just said at the end of chapter 5, Ephraim and Syria are threatening to invade. But God, church, amen? God shows up. He speaks. Isaiah has a vision, and it's probably one of the most uh, powerful visions that we see in the entire Bible of a time when, uh, when, when someone tells the story of an encounter with God. So often in Scripture and in life, God speaks in times of confusion. He speaks in times of pain. I know in my own life, there's been times where God has to get my attention through pain or through difficult circumstances. So I don't know about you, but I think Isaiah probably was confused. He probably was in a lot of pain. So this made me think of a scripture from C.S. Lewis. Uh, C.S. Lewis, the, uh, sorry, scripture, sorry, quote, forgive me. My wife keeps me on my toes, sorry. A quote from C.S. Lewis, my, uh, with the theologian, he said, We cannot ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to arouse a deaf world. So when you hit rock bottom, there's nowhere to look up. Nowhere to look but up. But God. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah looked up to God and received a vision from God. And who was sitting on the throne, church? God was sitting on the throne. The throne was not empty. God had things in total control. Oh, that we could look beyond our circumstances in the here and now. We need to catch a vision of God enthroned. So, Isaiah had a revelation. This is his picture of worship. Worship only begins, and the Christian life really only begins, by having a revelation of God, of saying, I need someone who is so much further and beyond what I could ever be. It begins with seeing God as he has revealed himself, not what we think about him, but how he's revealed himself, church. He reveals himself through scripture, through prayers, through prophetic words. But he always reveals himself first. We must see before we act. I love in verse 2, it says, 
Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Mm. We sing that. We sing that. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. But do we really understand how holy God is? How set apart, how other than us that he is? Even these near perfect beings cover their faces, cover their feet. And they say, holy, holy, holy. I love just in those moments, we even just had, the, as we sang um, Broken Vessels, God, we, we, just, we can feel his presence. We get a glimpse of who he is. And I think church, all churches, if we could just get a glimpse of how holy, how in control he is, so much in our lives would be so much different. You know, in, in Hebrew, in the language of the Old Testament, they don't have... Um, um, any English people in here? I know it's uh, comparative and superlative is some of the words. They don't have holy in English, holier and holiest. Does that make sense? Or we have we have good, gooder, and goodest. No, sorry. Good, better, and best. That's why people that don't speak English are mad at us, guys. You guys know that? You know, We change it up on them all the time. But in Hebrew, they only say it three times. They have holy, holy, holy. And I think in English, the better way to say that is holy, holier, holiest. The one that's above any other, that's above and beyond and set apart. And Isaiah sees this God. And he responds. Would you respond? I'd respond. He responds really in three ways. At first, he's undone. He cannot help but respond. Cannot help but respond. What does he say first? Anyone take a stab at it? He says, woe is me. So let's read it again. The foundations of the threshold shook and at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king. The Lord of hosts. So seeing himself before a holy God, Isaiah is aware of his condition. He sees he's a sinner. Separated from God. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. We learn in the Bible that out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. So unclean lips show an unclean heart. And this is always the result of seeing God. When I see God and who he truly is, then I see myself in that true light. I found out, number one, I'm not God. Amen, church? The man who is still proud has not yet seen God. I feel so totally unworthy to ask for anything. Seeing God only in his absolute holiness and power will drive you away. No one can stand before that holiness. But thanks be to God again, church. Isaiah 
responds in a second way. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand burning coal that had been taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So one of the angels, the seraphim, from around the throne of God, comes, takes an alt- a coal from the burning coal of the altar, touches it to Isaiah's lips. He says, your guilt is taken away. This is God telling that angel, yes, telling his guilt is taken away, sin atoned for. So the first thing that God does, and this is what I love, we just even sing about the amazing grace of God, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. The first thing that God does, he removes the thing that is keeping him away from you. He removes the dividing wall of hostility, and he makes a way for there to be relationship. And for that, we are so thankful. Amen, church? Amen. So Isaiah, number one, he sees he's broken. He's sinful. He's without hope, without God intervening. But the second way he responds is that God does intervene. He comes. He makes a way. And he's thankful. Isaiah is thankful. And the third response, and this is the one that I want us to to really think about our response today. His third response is mission. Isaiah heeds God's call for service. Goes on mission with God. Amen? Amen. And that's really what the church exists for, right? We have the revelation of who God is, although we need it deeper every, every day. We have an understanding of who we are, that we are in need of a Savior. But God's call is, who will go for me? Who will take this message? You know, I think it's interesting that it takes uh, some of the other prophets. The commission from God is in the first chapter, I believe in Jeremiah, it is, but it takes till the sixth chapter for Isaiah's commission to happen. And this is verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then Isaiah says, Here I am, send me. So this is truly Isaiah's commission. God has a purpose and a plan, plan for this broken world. You believe that, church? He has a purpose and a plan for this broken world. And he's decided to use you and me as his instruments. But we, as human instruments, must also be available to be used. Will you say, here I am, send me today? You know, it's interesting. Sometimes I feel we can go on a mission trip or we'll go things like that, but we won't speak to our neighbors. I've, I've even been there myself at times. Will we say, here I am, send me? Will, will you tell your neighbors the good news of Jesus? So I want to break this down a bit. Isaiah's response, and maybe this is a way you can remember it, 
to the vision of God is brokenness. Woe is me. He's humbled in, in light of God's holiness. And then second, he's thankful. He sees loving grace, that there is grace for him. And I believe that means he's happy. <laughs> and three, we see willingness. Mission, here I am, send me. So number one, brokenness, thankfulness, and willingness. And as I thought about that, I, I think when we're broken, we, we are humbled. We, we, we have to be humbled before who God is in his holiness. And then in his thankfulness that there was a way that was made for him, he was happy. The great English preacher Charles Spurgeon said that in order for there to be worship, three things have to be there. Holiness, to see who God is. Humility, to understand that I need a Savior. And number three, happiness, the joy of the Lord. Amen? I believe we see that in Isaiah's account. I believe that Isaiah had a worship service there. Amen? You know, this is, this is a way that I even look at how we craft worship services, that we would see who God is, see who we are, see the cross, and see that we would be on mission with God. So God reveals and we respond. It's not enough to know about God, to fill our minds with information about God. We cannot just declare truths about God, but we must respond with our lives wholeheartedly to who he is. This is what changes us. My pastor, I know you guys know Pastor Randy's been here. He says the longest 18 inches between your head and your heart. So that's, that's what I, even, if we have a vision like Isaiah, I don't believe it just stays here. Amen, church? It has to go here. Isaiah is a great example of the process. The vision breaks him, the fire cleanses him, and the call engages him, church. So we need to wake up. Let me say that again. The vision breaks him, the fire cleanses him, and the call engages him. His worship fuels his mission. Some of you may know that Pastor John Piper says that missions exist because worship doesn't. Think about that for a minute. It says all nations will worship his name. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. That's a prophetic. We don't see that yet, do we? That's a prophetic voice. So the reason that missions exist is because worship doesn't among all the peoples of the earth. But for us today, we must have a revelation of God before we respond. Isaiah saw before he surrendered. So we must see before we blank. We must see before we surrender, before we worship, before we go and tell others this great news. I know many of you are seeing this, but I'm going to point it out correctly, uh, just very uh, clearly here. That Isaiah, many theologians believe, Isaiah is seeing the pre-incarnate Christ. And what I mean by that is Jesus had not yet been on the earth, but he is seeing a picture of Jesus in this moment. 
John 12 seems to confirm this. Uh, but what I want us to see is that this is a great picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. I think even when you uh, take this to mind when you're evangelizing someone, the first thing you say is, if someone doesn't know Jesus, you don't go, oh, there's a cross and he died on it. That's, that doesn't help probably, right? They, they need to know, wait, first, there's a God that loves you. But unfortunately, you're separated from him. You're not able to, uh, to have a relationship with him. So I think Isaiah 6 is a great way of evangelizing people. See God. See yourself. See there's God has made a way and how you can be on mission with him. So, number one, we must see God in his holiness. Number two, we must see that we are not God, that we are separated from him because of our sin. Number three, we must repent of our sin and see that he has made a way. The cross has made a way. Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we must respond by giving our lives fully to him, to do as he will, and to tell others this great news. I want us to respond today. even at your seat, just to pray and ask God to help him see, help you see him more clearly. God's strategy for the faithless, and Israel had been faithless, and the people of unclean lips is to reveal himself in all his holiness. So today, church, instead of resisting, that we would repent. That we're and be so thankful for Jesus grateful for his sacrifice so that in his death, our guilt, we know that his death has taken away our guilt and that our sin has been atoned for and that we can go on mission with God in the world. So often in the darkest night is the start of God's bright new dawn. God is in the business of turning sinful rebels into loving servants. And this can only happen when we come to the end of ourselves. And today I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So if we could just bow our heads for just a moment. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you don't know what it's like to, to see him for the first time, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you say, Jesus, I, I've never given my life over to you, If you would just slip your hand up, I'd love to pray for you. And if if you say, if we're here, we're all believers, but some of us feel, hey, I need some prayer. I I need to uh, respond to this message, and I need to say, here I am. Send me, God. If you just slip that hand up, I'd love to pray with you as well.
Lord, I, uh, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. God, in a um, crowd like this, God, there's, um, there's definitely needs and there's definitely concerns. But God, I hope right now that you can help us focus, laser focus on who you are. The one that has all power, all might. The one that is holy, 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 beyond description. One that's so different than we are. So other. This God that created the universe. This God that spoke and worlds were formed. That this God would be mindful of us. So that while you're holy, you're also close. As close as our skin, God. As close as a blanket, God. We thank you that that is the God that we serve. Lord Jesus, we thank you that while we were sinners, we were the people of unclean lips. God, that you've made a way, that you've sanctified us, that you've raised us up with you to be your sons and daughters. That you've taken away our guilt and we can say, hallelujah, I am your son, I am your daughter. That your cross spoke the word, the final word over death. That when you overcame the grave, death has no more hold on us. So that we can confidently say, here I am, here we are, send us, I am a new creation. And I'm giving my life to you. The old has gone, the new has come. and Jesus has made me new. God, we thank you for the time together today as we ponder how amazing you are and that we're so grateful that you would come and send your son to save us, to love us, to be with us, that you're right now interceding at the right hand of the Father for each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, we honor you in this place. God, may you go before us this week as we go into a, a holiday season, God. And even as this message, as we think about the thankfulness that we're going to th- uh, be, you know, be on our minds this week, that we'd be thankful for our salvation, thankful to our God. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So, church, we need to have a vision of God. Who wants to get a new vision of God? And understand that we can do nothing without him. We need to see before we surrender. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-2000.
4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.